Hello, I'm Jane Daly and this is my podcast for people who know. As an independent thought leader, coach and culture consultant, I'm curious about people who are accelerating their work and life. And whilst finding their own balance, they have also found time to inspire others to do the same. My interest in Jan Riken started when Jan and I were working together on research related to corporate learning. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Jan today. Welcome, Jan. Well, good morning, Jane. Thanks very much for um, the intro and uh, the opportunity to do a, a podcast. What a pleasure to, uh, to be here. Wonderful. And we're going to be talking about the evolution of corporate learning, a topic that both you and I are very passionate about. Before we do that, please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to at the moment. Okay, Jane, thanks for that. Let me start by sharing what I've been uh, been up to. Um, for the last six months or so, I've been trying to understand the impact of the pandemic on the way we live, work, and uh, and learn. So uh, that also has impact on, on corporate learning, and I'm trying to support learning leaders in that process. My take on it is that the pandemic is causing a huge transformation for corporate L&D, uh, which also accelerates three trends which I'll cover uh, later on in this, uh, this podcast. One is about performance consulting. So it's really essential to, uh, to determine the, uh, the learning needs. Um, a second topic which I think is uh, really important is, is governance. So how can L&D get buy-in for key decisions? And a third which I'll uh, relate to is about vitality and agility. So the need for L&D uh, to stay in balance, especially in turbulent times. I believe this is probably the most exciting time ever to be in L&D, but obviously also requires us to be ready. Uh, I'll highlight some, uh, some of the things that it takes. And then about myself, um, I'm Jan Ryken. I live in NL on a, uh, on a houseboat. I've had a career of 30 years or so in the L&D profession, 25 years as a learning leader in four different industries where I led and transformed corporate learning um, and two spells in line management, which enabled me to understand the lingo of senior management. I'm now in my third career phase with two roles, one as learning director at Cross Knowledge and the second one as visiting professor at IE Business School in Madrid. Um, in both, I share my knowledge and experience of corporate learning L&D and develop the next generation of learning leaders. An example of that is our global L&D masterclass program. My mission is to get the best out of myself and the people around me and help them perform and stay in balance. And in that process, I'm trying to maintain a good work-life balance too, because uh, that's the basis of, uh, let's say, being able to deliver. Wonderful, Jan. Thank you so much. So are you up for stepping in the time machine today? Let's go. Yeah, that is uh, an exciting opportunity to, uh, to do so. So I think I'll start with my, uh, my first career phase when I um, started to work in, uh, in our beautiful profession. Um, and I started working as head of training um, that I think um, also um, uh, resounds the... Um, the evolution of uh, of our profession, the name of the uh, of the role um, at Macro, so a chain of retail stores where I was focusing on 
um, two big areas. One is the um, implementation of a first-line manager program because uh, the organization is facing engagement issues in their, uh, their staff. And the second big project was about customer care because um, the clients weren't really satisfied. I started to run that program and I ran into my first big issue, which was when I was running a pilot, a senior manager stepped in and said, who asked for this? Um, who's committed to this? Who's sponsoring this? And I realized that um, I had started too early in developing and running training. So that was a first big lesson in terms of um, skills and uh, focus. And um, that's something I'd encourage every L&D professional to think about. So governance, how do you structure your decision-making process? How do you involve senior stakeholders in the process? And maybe uh, a good read related to that is the, uh, the Elevating L&D book by um, Nick Van Damme. So um, that was a, uh, a good lesson. And if I look at my professional skills evolution during that first phase, uh, first role, which was really hand-on, it was all about instructional design, uh, high-impact um, delivery. And on a personal uh, level, I had to learn to focus and say no. So that was a good start. No, absolutely, Jan. And I, I absolutely hear your point about governance um it's definitely something that um elevated me you know coming to you you bringing out the the, the book around elevating l d which i would absolutely recommend as well you you also brought out there this this sort of need to be um saying no you know really thinking about you know how this does deliver for the business and the impacts it makes and that's a really interesting time wasn't it i mean it was when you was um in that role that was that was um in the 1990s and it was the word training you were using as well you know it was more training based um, rather than you know we tend to call things learning now although we have many names for what we do but you know I, I want to talk about 2003 because I think that was a real pivot point in, in your career you know having you and I spoken about this and I just want to set the scene a little bit just before you tell us what you were up to but in that year it was a really interesting year it was a year or two halves to me things that were starting and things that were stopping things that were stopping where it was a final flight for for Concord and also the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy which was you know, for some people, a real, um, it was lovely to see the film, but they wanted the trilogy to be um, many more episodes if you talk to real fans of, um, of, uh, of Lord of the Rings. And in terms of starting things, it was interesting. Um, it was the, um, the start of the word um, use of weapons of mass destruction and, and lots of things going on in terms of, um, of wars that are still raging on today. It was the beginning of the Iraqi war. And also, interestingly, it was the first time we heard of SARS, which was a, a real challenge with so many people dying of the disease. So, Jan, tell us what, was, what you were up to at that time. Yeah, happy to uh, to do so. So I moved to my uh, my second role and actually the start of my second career phase where I felt competent and confident to, um, uh, let's say, deliver on, on business expectations. And I moved to Daimler. So everybody knows Daimler from uh, the Mercedes-Benz brand where 
I was, um, let's say, recruited as um, academy manager. So I was asked to set up an academy um, for the organization, focusing on uh, the dealer workforce. Mercedes had done uh, a big client survey and clients had said, you know, we're really satisfied about um, the design uh, and about the technology, but less so about the way we're treated in the, uh, in the dealerships. So um, I actually got carte blanche uh, reporting to um, the marketing director for the first time um, in, um, let's say, scoping an approach to, to deal with that. And uh, I think it, it is important for L&D professionals to look at the DNA of their organization. And Daimler is very process-driven, very quality-driven, um, and actually quite centralized. So what I did is set up an academy network, uh, a certified and accredited academy network, uh, where, let's say, in every um, academy around the world, there's a network of 42 academies, um, they trained the dealerships people um, in standard curricula. So we set up six standard curricula for the salespeople, for the technology people, um, for the directors to, um, let's say, develop themselves in terms of their, uh, their workforce skills. And for the first time, let's say, uh, related to the industry revolution, we made use of uh, digital learning. It was CD-ROMs at that time, but um, we started to use those to see um, could we do uh, things more efficiently. Uh, and we actually set also set up a uh, first uh, kind of community where uh, especially the technicians could share um, issues and, and lessons learned with each other. My focus was on, on uh, let's say, rolling out the academy, making sure it was a high impact. And in terms of my professional skills, with three interesting areas. First of all, the business acumen. It was really important for me to understand, you know, what is driving the business, uh, what's the business model, what's the impact of the business choices for the workforce. So um, I think that is a, uh, a lesson that I, um, that, that I learned. And actually, at the end of my spell at Daimler, I had a, uh, an opportunity to step into a line manager role where I, uh, I could leverage this even more. Um, the second area was learner marketing because um, I think that's an, an underdeveloped area in, uh, in our profession. And uh, I had a chat with a marketeer. Obviously, uh, Mercedes has uh, great marketing uh, expertise. And I talked to this lady and she said, how do you roll out programs? And I said, well, we send out a mail. And she said, and? And I said, well, that's it. And she sort of laughed and said, well, um, you could do more. You know, you should treat it as a product launch and look at what does it take for um, that product, that learning product to be rolled out? Which channels can you use? Have you analyzed the, uh, the users? Is it one group of users or is there a diversity in the group? So um, that was a, uh, a career lesson uh, too. And I think in terms of my, my personal challenge and balance, it was, you know, the realization that I needed to invest in, in continuous learning that, you know, you've learned a profession, um, but as the profession um, changes, you have to change with the profession. Um, and the second thing was about, uh, about career choice. Uh, I think I've seen too many people who get stuck in roles or stuck in organizations and either feel too comfortable or, you know, are spoiled by whatever uh, uh, reward systems. So 
I think it is important to look at where are you in your career and are you still learning? I've never stayed anywhere longer than uh, six, seven years. Uh, and I think it's important to, uh, you know, look at yourself, reflect on yourself and think, am I still learning? Am I still stretching yourself? Uh, am I getting bored and related to that? You know, make a career choice. And I learned about the S-curve model, which um, you can all uh, learn more about. You know, McKinsey's published quite a few articles about the S-curve. So look, take a look at it and reflect at it um, related to your own career phase. Yeah, and what you're talking about there is really important. One of the things I'd really like to pick up on, if that's okay, is is you use the word DNA because clearly an organisation like Mercedes, you also mentioned that quality is imperative to everything they do. So talk to me a little bit about what you know what you mean by the DNA of an organisation and how you can get under the skin of that. Yeah, thanks for uh, for the question. I think it is uh, it's good when you join an organisation to not only look at you know what's the role, but also what's the culture of the organisation. So um, what are the values? Um, how do they relate to your um, your values? Uh, how's the organisation structured? So. What I've learned from there is that uh, whenever I uh, decided to make another career step, I uh, wanted to talk uh, to quite a few people in, in the organization before I joined because I see that quite a few careers fail because of a mismatch in terms of, of culture. Um, and, you know, we can adapt as, as professionals, but you have to see, you know, does it, uh, can I work according to these, um, these values? Mercedes was really process driven, really quality driven. So uh, lots of surveys, uh, lots of personal feedback too. Um, so, uh, you know, we had to do 360s and the first 360 I did was um, quite eye opening. I thought I was a great leader, but actually my team said, well, Jan, you know, you're a great leader in terms of setting vision and inspiring. But you sometimes forget that um, the speed of change um, and, and, and the pace of which we can handle that as, as individuals um, is different for each of us. So uh, I learned a lot. Um, but, you know, think about the, um, the culture of the organization and to which extent that uh, that fits you as professional. No, absolutely. Jan. And let's hear where you um, where you went on to after staying at Mercedes. Yeah, my next uh, role was again in a uh, another industry. So after retail and automotive, I moved to um, to banking. It actually had to do had to do with a uh, private choice as well because Mercedes offered me a career opportunity, but I would have to move. And and given the the fact that I had two young children and I had experienced the impact of moving around um, when I was fifteen, I lived in five countries. Uh, I didn't want to, um, let's say, uh, have my children face the same, same issue. So I moved to banking, um, where at ABN AMRO, I uh, became CLO, so Chief Learning Officer. So I think that reflects the state of the, uh, the profession. A few big challenges. One was harmonize the L&D organization because they had different business units, each with their own learning organization. Not effective, not um, um, efficient, and um, certainly not consistent. So... That was a, uh, a big challenge. Uh, and the other one was um, focused on, um, let's say, acquisition. In the second stage at ABN AMRO, we were acquired by a consortium of three banks. But professionally, that was fascinating because rather than consolidate, which I'd started doing, 
I had to cut the organization into the learning organization into four pieces, which, um, uh, let's say, for the people concerned, uh, was not a nice thing to do, but professionally, it was really good. If I look at the evolution of the industry, uh, it was uh, a, lot, a lot of focus was about measurement and ROI. Um, I think many organizations were still looking at the first two Kirkpatrick levels, um, and there was an increasing demand for um, return on investment. So business leaders were actually starting to say, what am I getting back from, for the money we're investing? So um, that was an important thing to focus on. And that related to my professional skills evolution because what I learned is for every major um, learning initiative, I started to produce a business case. So in, in implementing a new LMS or uh, let's say um, uh, wanting to implement a major leadership development program, I uh, developed a business case. So uh, had the financials there, uh, a picture of the investment and the return on investment. Uh, and that was um, important. And I think the, the second area in terms of industry evolution was the, um, the leap in terms of learning technology. Uh, suddenly, you know, uh, LMS systems were providing data, uh, were providing access, um, uh, were, um, uh, let's say, um, connecting people to uh, different uh, suites of learning. So um, that was important to, uh, to build on. In terms of professional skills evolution, I've talked about the business case. I think, I think the second area that I really learned about in this um, environment was about leadership development. ABN Emra was um, probably recognized as one of the global corporate leading companies in terms of leadership development. I had a big team, 15 people focusing on leadership and exec development only. Uh, obviously, it was still the era when uh, there was a lot of group training, coaching, and so forth. So. Um, I was able to, I'm fortunate to um, gather um, capabilities in that, um, in that space. And in terms of personal challenges, I think I had to find a good work-life balance because of working harder and harder. Uh, mobile phones, so the barrier between um, work and uh, private was getting thinner and thinner, and I had to learn to cope with um, a decent amount of stress, uh, Jane. Now, that's really interesting. And, and, and I'd like to pick up on, on the measurement side of things because you were um, clearly in roles, you were an early adopter, you were you know, really at the forefront of business change, business impact. But why do you think it's so difficult for people to you know, get under the skin of measuring impact that relates to learning and development? Because that's still an issue today. It is absolutely, absolutely still an issue today. I think there's, there's, there's a few elements to it. I think it starts with uh, defining KPIs right at the start of every learning initiative. I think that's where it goes wrong in many cases. People design a beautiful program, but forget about the, uh, the KPIs. I think that's where it actually starts. Um, um, in, in, in scoping your program, I think it's important to first start with uh, what do we actually want to achieve in terms of, uh, well, maybe business results, and from there talk about, you know, what do we want to achieve at the individual learner level in terms of developing capabilities um, and confidence, and then embracing that in terms of your, uh, your design. So um, that's the first touch point. I think the second one is then... Um, 
using and leveraging data. So I think L&D is um, not that good at um, leveraging data, making sure they've got access to data and actually analyzing data. So I think that's a skill that we, um, we need to develop. And I think the third area that I'd like to touch on, it's a hobby horse of mine, is, is um, uh, the reporting. I think if I look at L&D professionals, and still today I tell, talk to many organizations and I ask them, um, how are you reporting on your, um, you know, the things that you do and the things that you impact? And I still get overviews that are very basic in terms of the, uh, the KPIs. So I think it's an opportunity for L&D professionals to look at um, which uh, KPIs, which mature KPIs can I, uh, can I use? Um, and then what do I report on? Um, are you brave enough to regularly report to your stakeholders uh, on what you do, so what you deliver, and what you impact? I think they are two different things. And every organization can start reporting on what they deliver. Um, so programs, numbers, how many people trained, how many people certified, um, and so forth. And then the next phase is asking your stakeholders, what else would you like us to report on? start including those um, those KPIs. Um, people want to know more about this. I wrote an article on annual learning reporting um, where, let's say, I've identified 67 KPIs um, related to L&D now. I'm not advocating that people use that many, but it gives you the opportunity to look at them and say, okay, which eight do I want to start with? And which two um, will I ask the business to, um, to add to this? so that we can actually do uh, a good measurement and reporting. Jan, that advice around measurement is spot on. For me personally, I find it really interesting when people say to me, I can't measure, nobody's interested. And to me, it sounds like those are excuses to me because having run um, governance for, it wasn't as big as your Mercedes area, Jan, with 42 academies, but I was running 18 for Marks and Spencer. And mm. that element of governance and reporting was critical to what we were doing. These were business-led academies. So they were absolutely aligned to what was going on in the business. And you have to report on what's working and what's not. Be really brave. I really like your word about being brave and you know making sure that you're in with the organization in partnership with them and I don't mean um, you know a partnership that's on a surface level I mean a real deep partnership where you can have those honest and open and transparent relationships um, with stakeholders which isn't always easy but it no. absolutely gets you over some of those hurdles but in my experience when you do this really effectively I've never seen anybody not interested in what L&D does? No, to the contrary, I think, you know, you can, you can really engage your, uh, your business stakeholders by, first of all, uh, getting into conversations where you say, where's your business moving to? What impact is that for the workforce skills? And then if you get to the point of, you know, uh, a new learning initiative, uh, team up with them, ask them about their, um, their objectives, and then see how you and your team can translate those into uh, good KPIs and report on them um, because otherwise, uh, you know, we as L&D professionals run into the trap which has been there for decades where at a certain point, especially uh, when there's an economic turbulence or crisis, um, 
the CFO comes up and says, well, um, you know, there's 10 million sitting there in terms of L&D budget. I think we can take it away because uh, I haven't seen um, where it leads to. So if you do regular reporting and connect with your stakeholders, that is off the table. Actually, um, I've had experiences where my stakeholders actually stood up for me and said, in times of crisis, we are not going to uh, reduce the budget by, well, 50% or whatever uh, demand is there. We can reduce it by 20, 25%. Uh, but we can't do more because it would hurt and damage um, um, the workforce, which we need for future uh, success. Absolutely, Jan. And, and talking of business, talk to me about your next role, which was um, for KPMG. Right. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to do that. So that was the fourth industry. I moved to professional services and I was appointed as, as business school director. That already, uh, let's say, states the close uh, relationship to the, uh, to the business. KPMG was an interesting phase where, for the first time as an organization, there was a, uh, a global business strategy, there was a global people strategy, and what they actually wanted and needed was a global L&D strategy. They were spending about 400 million euro a year on uh, learning and development, but it was hard to see, you know, what were they spending it on and, and, and what was the impact. So I was asked to step in and, and do that. So the first action was actually to send out small teams to um, six different countries and do an analysis of, you know, what are we spending? Um, what are we spending it on? And, and how are we spending it? And the conclusion was that there was far too much overlap. There were great local initiatives, but they weren't aligned in any way. So um, that was why there was a need for a global L&D strategy and, and, and governance uh, again, relating to the uh, to the DNA, so I wanted to cherish uh, what was happening at the local uh, level and, uh, let's say, uh, give people the opportunity to maintain a certain level of, of autonomy, but also align what, what we were doing at a global level and also do it more efficiently. So um, do away with the 17 different uh, onboarding initiatives that we came across. We wanted to onboard people, whether they uh, onboarded in, in, uh, in London, or in Seattle or in Beijing uh, in the same way. So um, we set up um, state-of-the-art onboarding programs um, for 90% standard, and uh, there was a 10% add-on opportunity for countries if they wanted in terms of language and in terms of you know, specific uh, uh, country or, or um, cultural cases. So um, that, worked, um, that worked well. The second area which I um, was responsible for was partner admission, partner development. That was an extremely um, high level, high interest um, area because obviously uh, partners as owners of the firm are uh, important people. So um, that took some energy and, and um, um, focus to, uh, to get that working. In terms of the industry evolution, I think um, there was a lot of focus on making things blended. Uh, you know, Shefty 2010, Charles Jennings, you all know about this. Um, so uh, how can we um, tune our curriculum to be blended as possible? Uh, leverage the digital learning opportunity. So that was a, an industry focus and, and, and a focus of ours. And I think the second thing that was becoming more apparent was a focus on learning climate, where let's say rather than only focus on the content, we as L&D professionals need to focus on the context 
as well. In terms of my professional skills evolution, I think talent management, you know, I learned a lot about talent acquisition, succession planning, and, and the likes of that. And I think performance consulting. Um, we worked in a very professional environment, and I learned a lot about performance consulting. So the importance to look at, in our case, uh, where's the business going? Um, our workforce um, ch skills changing? Um, how are they changing? What are the, the new skills? Um, and then uh, the big go, no-go decision in terms of, is there a learning need or is it something else? Um, and if there's a learning need, then go on to say, you know, let's look at KPIs, programs, how can we embed them and so forth. So I think that's really, really important. Um, for people who want to know more, I uh, recently wrote an article called um, the 15 questions L&D should ask before running. So um, that's available on, um, online. And in terms of my personal balance and challenges, um, I think it was all about vitality. I was traveling a lot, which influenced my, um, my sleep, uh, my nutrition. So there were uh, spells that uh, I was not in balance. And you know, you're the only one who can, who can change this. You have to, to self-manage. So um, I had to really focus on that and uh, actually started practicing uh, a little bit of uh, a mindfulness. I really like the way that you're sharing the evolution of L&D, but also what impact that's had on you personally, which does come back to your point about content versus context. And one of the questions I, I have for you before we move to talk a bit more about today is, um, you know, this is a really, that, that was a really interesting time for learning and development, because as you say, um, you know, the words like blended came on, the real sort of rapid development in terms of digital came on and, and learning and development are you know the, the increase in spend has um, been significant over the last 15 years but the impact on that hasn't what role do you think content and context play in us not getting traction to get things to stick well, a very, a very relevant question, Jane, because I think it is, it is uh, a really vital point to look at the context. You know, I think traditionally we at L&D have been great at um, scoping, designing and developing programs and delivering them. And, 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 and we should stay there to do that uh, because it's, it's the core of our profession. What we traditionally haven't been good at is to look at how do these programs land? So um, are the circumstances right? Is the environment prepared for the learner? So again, going back to my onboarding example, uh, let's take that. If a new joiner comes, you know, we can train the, the person, but if he or she then comes back to the workplace, um, how is he or she um, supported? Uh, is the line manager ready? Is there a buddy? Um, are people prepared to help this person uh, advance and, and, and find uh, what they need? So... I think it is uh, it is vital that we start to look at the context, and um, you know, recently there's been more research about uh, about this, and uh, the line manager has a crucial role in in let's say enabling people to uh, to learn. You know, uh, it's also good that learning is linked to uh, the whole performance cycle. But I think more important it is, you know, is the organisation is the context uh, ready for this. And especially in this day and age where with COVID we are working from home. So um, to which extent 
is your organization facilitating uh, the people to learn and to which extent can we as L&D support that? So have we got performance support tools built into our solution? To which extent can we uh, make sure that people get coached on their, um, or mentored on their, um, uh, in the flow of work? So it is, it is vital that we, um, uh, we continue, continue to do that. Great advice there, Jan. So let's get back in this time machine and move to the present day. And um, we're going to arrive on water we're going to arrive on water yan and it's it is beautiful but there's a lot of waves going on on this water it's uh it's a bit scary but we are going to land here so tell us what you um are up to in 2020 and how the corporate learning is is, is evolving in front of our eyes yeah, that is a, a good question in, in two ways because um, that's related to water. We live on a houseboat, so we've got, we're surrounded by water all the time. We're surrounded by the seasons, and actually that reflects the, um, the era we're in, in right now. So in terms of uh, my role and my focus, let's say after uh, KPMG, I was fed up with the corporate politics, uh, my battery was drained and, and I wanted to move on to uh, new pastures where uh, let's say I could have, um, well, I, I could build in an international environment where um, I could share and leverage my knowledge and my, where I could have fun again. So um, in, in, in this present day and age, I've got two roles um, in my third career phase. Um, at, at Wiley Cross Knowledge, I'm learning director. So what I'm, I'm currently doing is helping uh, a group of clients around the world perform. So I actually sit down with them and look at, you know, what are they facing? Uh, what are their key challenges? And sharing my experience um, and, and, and sort of providing recommendations on demand to help them perform. Um, be uh, try to be a thought leader so I'm doing research um, especially in this um, um, pandemic day and age um, on, on you know what our organizations facing because learning professionals are, are actually feeling alone they're feeling confused they're feeling alone um, there's a lot of anxiety so I team up with them and and help them um, I help them look at their learning strategy I help them look at their ecosystem uh, I also try to focus on things like the data analytics. So what can they do better with, with um, data? Because, um, you know, speed of delivery is, is more important than ever. Um, I'm still developing myself, actually, in terms of my digital fluency and coaching skills. Um, so that's the one role. And the second role, um, which I want to continue after this, is, is I'm a visiting professor at IE Business School in Madrid, where... I especially focus on building the next generation of learning leaders. We have set up a, a program for the next gen of, of learning leaders, not only focusing on um, the content and context of L&D leaders, but also on, on self-leadership, which I think is really important. Um, I'm proud to see the profession moving from order taker to strategy driver. But that puts a, uh, a hell of a lot of load on, on the shoulders of, of learning leaders. So they have to be equipped in terms of managing themselves um, and leading others and leading and innovating the business. So um, they have to manage their anxiety, the, the angst in their teams. 
So I think that is um, that's really important, and I feel um, very privileged to um, be able to contribute uh, in this way and still develop myself, Jane. I would really like to pick up on the word future generation, because as we know, there is a delay with learning. We can't make anybody love us. We can't make anybody learn. You cannot learn to swim coming back to water by reading a book. You've got to dive in and allow people to experience what's going on and, and learn from that. As you've been explaining, Jan, for, for all of, of this, this part of your career that you've been talking to us about, but how does L&D you know, become more aligned to you know, this future generational role? Because I find from my experience um, in the work that I do is L&D so focused on today, it forgets to worry about as you were saying earlier, the end in mind, where, where we have this delayed process. So how do L&D get better at that? Yeah, that is a, a, a real challenge. I think it's, it's, uh, it's about two, two words. It's about reflection and it's about agility. I think um, it is important that we as mature L&D uh, professionals reflect on um, you know what's going on in our role, but also uh, look ahead and, and you know, we, we, we should be be aware that we're expected to be a sort of lighthouse. The organization is looking at us to provide guidance in terms of where's the workforce going. So um, keep looking out the window. Make sure that you know what's going on, not only inside your organization, but outside. I see too many L&D professionals who are uh, tunnel focused, probably because of the workload, but take a step back and uh, look at what is it, what else is going on. Uh, I've always invested time in um, meeting peers and talking about the profession uh, because that helps a, uh, a lot. It also helps you elevate from, from reality. And, and the second term I mentioned is agility. I think, you know, um, in this profession, we want people to be in a growth mindset. and We need to be in a growth mindset too. So, uh, and especially in this day and age where things are changing uh, at a pace that we've never experienced before, we have to be really agile. And that's not easy. That is hard. That's hard work. We have to reinvent ourselves um, and probably start with recontracting ourselves. Who do we want to be? What's our purpose? Uh, where do we want to go? And how do we go on to contribute? And once you know, uh, you've done that, uh, you can look at um, running the business and in parallel, uh, developing yourself, uh, assuming you want to be, develop yourself. But if you don't, uh, I see too many people uh, burning out or dropping out of our profession. And seek help. Seek help with your peers. Make sure you've got a good buddy, uh, a good mentor in or outside the organization. Uh, you know, join a program uh, like ours, but there's, there's, there's multiple programs around and make sure you uh, you keep in motion because that is important and part of that staying in motion is vitality especially in this day and age where people get stuck in their home office it is important to think about your uh, nutrition about your sleep but especially about your physical movement i start every working day uh, with 30 minutes uh, walk outside uh, whether it's the sun is shining or whether it's raining because, you know, neuroscience has shown that um, it puts you in the right mindset. It puts you in the right mood. Um, I'm more open and more active when I, uh, when I do that. So uh, the only advice I can give people is, you know, be the master of your own destiny 
Don't only look at what's going on today, but try to elevate yourself. Look at what's what's going on tomorrow and get the best out of yourself. Yeah, and isn't it? It's the moment that, that L&D has been waiting for. As you say there, we've got to get step up. In order to do that, you've got to be ready for all sorts of dimensions, the physiology, the growth mindset, you know, make sure that you've got enough of the external insight but you're really looking at where you can provide guidance for your business yeah it is it is it is a fascinating time to be in 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 learning and development probably the most exciting time ever the other side of the coin to that is that there's huge pressure on us to deliver so i think uh, you know the speed to deliver the agility to deliver the fact that we uh, have to move to uh a digital remote um, way of delivering puts a lot of pressure on us. But as you say, um, we've got the opportunity to shine. And and as I said before, you know, this is the opportunity for us um, to be uh, to team up with the business and uh, uh, facilitate the um, um, the workforce, equip them, uh, upskill, reskill, and in some cases outskill the um, uh, the people but be a strategic driving force. And isn't that exciting? So uh, it's all up to us um, to pick up that challenge and um, and move it. So exciting. And yeah, we're going to have a bit of fun now because, um, as you mentioned, the, the profession is feeling is feeling the, the stress, the anxiety, the frustration, the overwhelming nature of, of what's going on. So a little bit of fun. Let's, let's get in this time machine and go to 20. 30 is uh, less than 10 years right. away now um, <laughs> and you know arriving in this terrain in, in our uh, amazing <clears throat> time machine tell us what you foresee for for the you know uh, as this profession evolves yeah that's uh, another great question and 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 you know part we can guess part of it but uh, we can also let's say project some of the things that are happening so i think learning technology will become more important than ever to make sure that we can deliver uh, just in time, just enough, um, just for you. Um, so the personalized learning is becoming more and more important. I think artificial intelligence will impact our profession where like in either the Spotify world or the booking.com world, uh, we get personal recommendations in terms of um, our learning. And uh, I think that is, um, that's a great opportunity. I do hope we can treasure the human factor. So the risk of, of the change that I've just described is that we're moving to a purely tech world, and that's where we don't want to go. Uh, you know, we do live in a human world where we have to reinforce and, and, and cherish the fact that we, together with HR, are the human factor within uh, the organization. And I think, you know, in terms of retention, engaging, uh, and attracting the right people. It is all about that human factor. You know, why would people want to join an organization? It is about the fact that people count, not only that uh, that technology counts. So I think they are snippets of what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a different balance between uh, make or buy. Because I think currently in many organizations, they've still got quite big L&D teams. And I think the specificity of the expertise that's being asked you know that cannot be available because of the uh, the rapid speed of change. So I think there's going to be a uh, a reflection on what do we want to do and need to do as L and E team ourselves, and what can we 
outsourced to our expert vendors. So um, I think the performance consulting piece will stay in the organization and then everything other than that, you know, we can outsource to, um, I wouldn't call it vendors, I would call it preferred performance partners. So I think they are uh, snippets of uh, what we will see. And, and I think the last thing I want to touch on is um, the vitality part. I think the current day and age uh, shows how important it is that people feel vital and happy and engaged. So whether it's in an office space or it's in a home office, so the boundaries of the responsibility for leaders shift outside of the office to make sure that people are engaged and happy. And learning can contribute to that. So that's an exciting challenge, but it's also a uh, quite uh, an additional challenge for us to explore. And I think, you know, look ahead, be present, um, think about what you can contribute uh, in terms of um, our profession. I love it, Jan. I can't wait. It's exciting. Now, I'm going to be is, really brave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be so brave now. And you're going to take my precious time machine and go anywhere you like. So where are we going and why? Well, I think I'd like to go to, um, uh, to next year because um, I have seen, uh, as you probably experienced, uh, the biggest change in our profession um, ever. Uh, because of this pandemic and and organizations are um, in uh, well they're facing facing difficulties they're facing difficulties in finding a balance you know um, the life has changed the work has changed um, um, uh, the way people are learning has changed so what I hope is that next year we will find a new balance um, change is, is probably the only certainty we have in life I think and I hope and I believe that next year um, we will find a new balance. The digital learning part will probably stay, but hopefully um, we'll also be able to have some face-to-face some -face events less than before and uh, more consciously planned and more consciously invested in. Uh, but I think we'll have learned tremendously from um, um, the, past, the past year. I think, you know, when you're facing a change like, like we're facing now, you're shocked um, you sometimes freeze, you sometimes fight. And I think by this time next year, we'll look back and say, this was a unique uh, learning opportunity also for us to reset the learning profession and reset ourselves to a mode that's probably ready and agile enough to cope with the next couple of years. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love the idea that we're going to end on the idea of resetting. It's absolutely the right time to do that. I want to thank you so much for being with us today and sharing um, not only your work life, but also um, how um, the corporate learning environment has evolved and also the influence you've played in that. And I thank you, Jan, on behalf of us as professionals, um, us as a profession in the role that you are playing and that you continue to play. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jane, for the opportunity to, uh, to share, to have fun with you, to um, hopefully provide um, the listeners with at least one concrete idea um, to, uh, to implement in their, um, in their daily work. And you know, if people want to know more, uh, they can read the articles online or connect with me on, uh, on LinkedIn. And, uh, of course, happy as ever to uh, keep working with you 
And uh, I really appreciate you uh, setting up the series of podcasts because that is another, um, let's say, route uh, through which we can um, learn and, and get a peek into some people's lives as well. Absolutely, yeah. And the context is um, the number one thing, as you've already mentioned. And um, to all our listeners out there, uh, we will share three things from Jan to anybody that would like to delve deeper. He's mentioned um, some of them already, but we'll give you an idea of where you can find those. And as always, we've got so many more um, amazing stories for you to listen to and so much more for you to learn. So don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. Um, let's let's leave the time machine, Jan. Yes, and it was a great opportunity to be in there. So uh, have a good day and um, take care. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my podcast today. There's lots more podcasts, resources, articles and experts to inspire you on the People Who Know website. Go to the website today, sign up and join the conversation.